Hey, welcome to After Church Apologetics. I'm Courtney Seacrest here with Dr. Chris Jakeway and Pastor Leo Wilson, and we're inviting you to join us today in uncovering the truths that will challenge, inspire, and expand your perspective on Christianity. So let's get started. Welcome back. Maybe you've heard people say in the middle of an argument or when discussing some theological concepts, well, that's a secondary issue. Uh, Maybe you're wondering, what are some examples of some primary and secondary issues in Christianity? And so that's what today's question is going to deal with. The question is, can you explain what people mean when they say there are primary and secondary issues in Christianity? Yeah. And by calling something secondary, we wouldn't say that it's not important because based on Second Timothy, we want to handle all of Scripture correctly and want to be accurate in everything. But uh, an easy way to think of those is your salvation isn't riding on a secondary issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, a primary issue would be a fundamental. All Christians agree on the fundamentals of the faith. When R.A. Torrey uh, in the early 1900s wrote this four-volume book called The Fundamentals, originally it was a good thing to be a fundamentalist. You know, now in our time it means narrow-minded, intolerant, you know, yes, whatever. Yes, very negative connotation. Right. But originally it just meant you believe the fundamentals, the primary doctrines of the faith, the exact thing that C.S. Lewis called mere Christianity, uh, mere meaning the basics of the faith. So primary doctrines are things that pertain to the nature of God, the nature of our salvation. So that would be things like the Trinity. That's a primary doctrine. If you deny the Trinity, you're not a Christian, simply put. If you deny the incarnation, that Jesus is God in human form, or if you deny the bodily resurrection of Jesus, you're not a Christian. Those are primary doctrines. Now, I know some people might uh, disagree with this, who's hearing this, but the people who take a different view on this, the people who deny those things, do so because they're in a cult of Christianity. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to our salvation, that salvation is by grace through faith, not by works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for example. That's a primary doctrine. So you can't compromise on any of those and still be a Christian. Uh, sometimes people uh, say, well, you know, the Trinity's confusing anyway, so uh, why does it matter? Well, at a certain point, you've changed a definition of something so much that it no longer applies. You know, I always say in world religions class, uh, I had somebody in class who claimed to be a Buddhist once. And when we were talking about Buddhism, we came to the sayings of the Buddha, the Dhammapada, and it teaches the four noble truths of Buddhism. And this woman in class who claimed to be a Buddhist said, I, I don't believe any of those. And the last one is the eightfold path, which is, this is a very loose parallel, but kind of like the Buddhist equivalent of the Ten Commandments. She said, yeah, I, I, I don't accept any of those either. And so I just asked her, how, how do you call yourself a, a Buddhist in any meaningful way if you reject the teachings of the Buddha, the Four Noble Truths of Buddhism, which any Buddhist sect accepts, and even the Eightfold Path of, the, of Buddhism, like that's it. 
you just tossed out what's left. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just tossed out all of it. So uh, it's the same thing with Christianity. You can't deny the very things that define it. Now, we live in a time, of course, where people believe whatever they want and give it whatever label they want. But unless you want just want to confuse people, it's not going to make sense to call yourself a Christian if you don't believe, for instance, that Jesus was bodily resurrected. So a secondary issue would be things on which there's room for disagreement. Uh, and scripture accounts for this. You know, Paul, uh, in the book of Romans, in Romans 14, where he was asked, for example, which day is the appropriate day for worship, Saturday or Sunday? Paul's exact words there are, each should be fully convinced in his own mind. Don't let somebody judge you by a Sabbath day. Uh, some people eat meat. Some people only eat vegetables. Again, Paul says, be convinced in your own mind. So Paul there is giving Christians permission to have different views on an issue that doesn't pertain to the nature of God, the nature of Christ, or the nature of our salvation. So if you want to be the church that gathers on Saturday, uh, that's fine. That's a secondary issue. However, it would be wrong for you to insist that everybody has to gather for church on Saturday because you do. So that's an example of a secondary issue. Uh, how much water does it take to baptize someone? That's a secondary issue. Do you sprinkle or do you dunk, right? Should you be immersed? Uh, I've said before Sunday morning here that I grew up in a church where you were dunked and like got held under to make sure it takes. Um, the tradition in evangelical churches is based on this. Just as an example, Matthew 3.16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. Well, that seems to show immersion rather than sprinkling, right? The beginning of the year here, and I, I think, Courtney, I think you and I talked about this when we were looking at questions that came in. Uh, I got an email and there wasn't even a message, just the title said sprinkled or dunked, question mark. <laughs> and I replied by saying, are we talking baptism or donuts? Oh, my goodness. Because I have opinions on both. But uh, the point is the volume of water doesn't matter, right? right. Some people, I've baptized people in the Jordan River who... Uh, weren't physically able to get into the river. So you take a cup of water and pour it over their head. It's, it's not like it's not going to count for the same thing yeah. if uh, uh, less water is used. So that that's a classic example of a secondary issue. What about like continuationism and cessationism? Is that a secondary issue or a primary issue? I see that as... A secondary issue, but in answering, uh, that makes it clear that my position then would be that not every Christian is expected to uh, prophesy, speak in tongues, and so on. And we, we, we've we talked about uh, these mm -hmm. issues as to whether uh, prophecy continues today. If there's new revelation for the church, that denies the sufficiency of uh, uh, Scripture. Um and even the word, and this is, I know, wasn't the intent of your question here, but uh, those words 
cessationist or continuationist uh, come up a lot. Every single Christian, whether they realize it or not, and many don't, every Christian is a cessationist in some ways. Mm-hmm. Because if all the spiritual gifts continue to operate in the exact way they did in the first century, one of the aspects of the gift of apostleship was writing scripture. So if you're in a church that believes scripture is still re- being written today, you're a Mormon, for example. <laughs> because the journals of discourses, the, the presidents of the Mormon uh, church are living apostles. And it says right in the journals of discourses that you can consider this to be scripture. So when Pentecostal or charismatic churches uh, use this term, it's to try to shut down the conversation, right, of, yeah. of the things that non-charismatics are saying. But everybody's a cessationist to some degree, and everybody's a continuationist to some degree. Unless you completely deny the work of the Holy Spirit, clearly spiritual gifts function in the church today, and God intends for those to be used. The issue is over revelational gifts and whether there's new revelation for the church today, which, as I've said before, kind of turns your Bible into a loose-leaf binder because more stuff's coming all the time. Now, maybe a back question is, why do we even get to d- distinguish, or how do we distinguish these ideas of primary and secondary? We gave some examples there, and we even talked about like how a cult is formed. And I think maybe if we start at John 14, 6, it says this, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. For now on, you do know him and have seen him. So he's saying like there's one way and it's about Jesus. So this is an idea of what would define primary and secondary. Ephesians 2, 8 talks about it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not by works. It's not about how far you were dunked underwater, how much water was there. There's no physical attribute that's going to, in this world, save you. It is by faith in Jesus that you're saved. Paul talks about later in scripture, he's like, hey, look, if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, this is all for nothing. And so once again, he points to this idea, if we're going to define primary, none of this stuff matters if Christ didn't overcome death. So we see this as defining what primary things deal with. They deal with Christ in our faith. The idea of um, the Eucharist, baptism, these things are defined as secondary. And there's an example in scripture, the thief on the cross next to Jesus, Christ tells him today, you will be with me in paradise. Now it doesn't say he wasn't baptized, but we get the impression that that was his first coming to Christ, right? And so like this, every time when somebody says, well, do you have to be baptized to be saved? Do you have to do this? It's like, you have to have faith. You have to have faith that Christ is by name, person, and and definition, God, that he's the son of God and he came and through his sacrifice, we have salvation. The other thing I think that's important with this primary and secondary uh, distinction on uh, doctrine in terms of apologetics, what makes it important is that it gives us an answer when people say, well, Christians can't even agree with each other, right? Uh, you know, you're telling me I should become a Christian, like Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, whatever, they, none of it, they can't agree on anything. That's not true. 
all Christians agree, every single denomination of Christianity agrees on the primary doctrines of the faith, but by definition, or they wouldn't be Christian denominations. So uh, Baptist, Lutheran, whatever, no matter where you go, you're going to hear the Trinity and the incarnation that Jesus is God in human form and that he wasn't resurrected in our hearts and in our memories, but bodily came back to life. These are just the basics of the faith. So this idea that uh, why should I be a Christian? Denominations can't agree. That's not true. There's unanimity on the fundamentals of the faith. The second thing I think that makes it important is as we do apologetics, we should focus on the major issues and not the minor ones. I I see it as playing defense on the secondary issues, right? So if somebody says, uh, okay, you lean toward this position, um, the uh, something in uh, eschatology, the doctrine of last things, you're talking about the catching up of the church or the timing of the millennium or whether there is one or whatever. I have views on those things and I'm happy to talk about them, but I don't seek out uh, a confrontation on secondary issues. If somebody challenges me on something or asks me, I'm happy to talk about it. But the the primary issues are what we need to to really focus on. Be prepared to talk about the other ones. But when we engage unbelievers, it should be about who Jesus is and the nature of Christ. This is why I tell people when the Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door and they see you have a Christmas tree and they immediately want to talk about that. I Let's not waste time talking about celebrating birthdays and Christmas. Just cut right to why they're there. Who is Jesus? <laughs> right. That's what we need to do. Thanks for hanging out with us on After Church Apologetics today. To submit a question for a future episode of our show, you can email us at podcast at bcfriends.org. Remember, the pursuit of truth is ongoing, so we'd like to encourage you to continue seeking and engaging with the topics that we've discussed for yourselves. And as we conclude this episode, we want to remind you that respectful dialogue can bridge gaps and build connections. We'll see you next time.